You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Unveil Part 4. Enjoy. Did you do your homework? Yes. You want to hand in your homework? What was your homework? You remember? You were going to purposely meditate on how much God loves you all week long. That's a good assignment right there. That means as you uh, leave here and you're driving home or going wherever you're going, you're thinking about how much he loves you. Not about all the things you have to do and what happened last week and what so-and-so said and what didn't happen, what should have happened. You're purposely focusing your thoughts and your emotions. You're taking control of how you feel. You can do that, you know. You're in the driver's seat of your life. Your emotions are not. You take control of the way. You tell your soul how happy it is. You tell. Don't let it tell you how you feel. That's a lousy place. I've been there before. When your soul's telling you how terrible things are. And, 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 and how bad your life is and what a failure you've been and you listen to it, there doesn't seem like there's any way out of it and naturally speaking, there isn't. The only way out of that is, is to realize that Jesus is your answer, that Jesus is your strength, that Jesus is your joy, that Jesus is your wisdom. I'm amazed at how many believers are living their lives not conscious of Jesus as their answer. And they're really going through life just like anybody else, thinking the way others are thinking, you know, going through things and approaching things in the same way when they've got the risen Messiah on the inside of them. He's the answer, isn't he? And you knowing that, because you know the answer doesn't do you any good if you don't know it, right? You'll never win at Jeopardy if you don't know the answer, right? Let me add it, Alex Trebek. That would be frightening if I was on that show. I sit and watch that thing. And say, How do these people know this information? Where do you go to learn this stuff? It's just amazing to me. I, I don't know. I get like one question out of 100, I think, on Jeopardy. <sighs> Your life's not in Jeopardy. Your life doesn't depend on you doing the right things. Jesus put himself in the jeopardy we deserve. And he received full punishment for your failures. So that your life wouldn't be in jeopardy, jeopardy but that your life would be whole. That you would never be afraid of danger again. That you would go through life with a peace and an assurance of safety. Do your homework. Make yourself focus on how much he loves you. Make yourself. But, but I, I, make yourself. God, you love me so much. You gave your son for me. You're, you're mindful of the very hairs on my head. You're accomplishing the things that concern me. You're working all things out for my good. You never go to sleep. When I'm sleeping, you're blessing me. In the midst of what I can see with my natural eyes, you're working. And you're causing me to win. Even when it doesn't look like it. You are my provision. And your provision is rolling into my life. 
and no one or nothing can stop it. Your provision of peace and wholeness and, and your financial provision, your provision of wisdom and strength. Do your homework. Meditate on how good he is. Meditate on how much he loves you. We're in a series right now called Unveiled. We're unveiling not only the goodness of God, but the real you. You don't know how amazing you are. You don't know how valuable you are. And if you've ever done any kind of investing or shopping for antiques or rare things, you know that when there's only one of something, it's really valuable. I mean, if there's, you know, a hundred of something, it's valuable. If there's 75 or 50 of something, it's valuable. And if there's only one, the value just skyrockets exponentially. There's only one of you. And I was talking with a friend recently and talking about negative thoughts, and, which we all have and which we all deal with, and the thought that you're worthless Nothing could be further from the truth. Why would we ever listen to a thought like that? You say, but you don't know the, all the mistakes I've made. That doesn't change your value. You can throw a, a pure gold brick into a mud puddle, into a swamp. It doesn't change its value. It's still just as valuable. You just got to pull it out of the mud. Rinse it off. Right? Your value hasn't changed because all the mistakes you've made. There's only one of you. You need to be on this earth right now. You need to be living so the value inside of you can be experienced by those in your life and those around you. You have so much to live for. You have so much to live for. Satan wants to shorten your lifespan. He wants you to think that, that, that it's over, that you, you, know, you've, you did your best and you messed up, and what's the sense of you hanging around? When the truth is you've got so much left inside of you, you've got so many lives to touch and to change, you've got so much joy that you haven't yet experienced. You've got new levels of love you haven't even tasted yet. Hallelujah. Don't you leave this earth yet. I'm talking to somebody. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence here ministering to us right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for turning lives around right now. Not only in this place, but through the internet, on Facebook. Thank you for ministering your joy and peace to every hearer. Boy, you have a lot to live for. You have a lot to live for. You have a lot to live for. You ever wonder why the, the guys in professional sports when they're playing a championship game, man, they just give everything they've got to the last second. I'm on my couch and I'm tired watching them. Why? Because they know what's at stake. They know they've got to give everything they've got to the last tick of the clock. What's at stake with you being around a lot? You can't leave yet. Boy, this is something, how the Holy Spirit's encouraging someone right now. You've got so much to live for. 
There are people at, at 17 years old that don't want to live. There are people at 77 years old that don't want to live. This is not unique to a particular age. It's a mindset. And it all begins with knowing how much God loves you and how valuable you are. If you found, if you found a rare diamond that you knew the world was looking for, you wouldn't reject it. You wouldn't forget about it. You would, you would do something about it. You'd put it in a place where you knew it was safe and protected. You would let the right people know about it so that the value that was in that rare diamond could be assessed and appreciated and you could benefit from it. See, you'll benefit from knowing how valuable you are. Religion beats you down. Religion tells you that you've, that you've messed up and you've failed and, and, and shame on you. Jesus never will say that to you. Jesus tells you, I made you. You're unique. You're one of a kind. You're custom designed by the, the craftsman of the universe. And you're valuable and important to me. You're the only you I've got. Hallelujah. Brandy's here. How you doing, Brandy? Everyone say, hey, Brandy. Hey, Brandy. I, I saw her Friday, and I just had forgot she had went to, she's in New Jersey now. And uh, it's great to see you. <laughs> Hallelujah. So how do you overcome these negative thoughts? How do you get to the real you? The mistakes you've made are not, are not you. You're not the mistakes you've made. You are not the mistakes you've made. You are not the sins you've committed. Do you hear that? How do you overcome your past? How do you overcome the mistakes you've made? Is it trying harder? Willpower? <laughs> Everyone do that with me. Come on. No. It's not it. Willpower can only take you so far. It's focusing your attention on how much God loves you. It's receiving His love for you. And it, you know, it's funny that Satan hates what we're talking about. This is such a simple thing. And there are those who will say, come on, let's get on to something else. Let's get on to something that's really deep. There's nothing deeper than God's love for you. There's nothing more powerful, more freeing, more transforming than His love for you. Nothing will bring healing into your life more quickly than knowing how much He loves you. Nothing will break bondages in your life more powerfully than you receiving His love for you. Nothing. Nothing will cause you to prosper financially more than knowing His love for you. We cannot think on this enough. This is not something for uh, just little babies in a, in a, in a um, nursery or, or little kids in a kindergarten. This is for all of us. It's the love of God. And we talked about this, I guess it was a couple get-togethers a couple weeks ago when we were finishing up Joseph Prince's book, Grace Revolution. 
And he does such an excellent job of bringing out the difference between real spiritual maturity and immaturity because religion will tell you that, you know, love and the grace of God, that's all nice to talk about, but let's get to the meat. Let's get to the real stuff. That is the real stuff. That is the real stuff. And he brings out the example of when Peter, the apostle, first met Jesus. Uh, Jesus was in his fishing ship. And they had been fishing all night and caught nothing. And they were experts at what they did, but they weren't successful in this outing. And Jesus, here's Jesus, a carpenter who uh, had never been a professional fisherman, who said to the professional fisherman, let down your nets for a catch, and how foolish that must have sounded to them. Because they had just been practicing their profession all night, and they knew there was nothing in that water, or thought that they thought they knew. But Jesus loved them, and he didn't want their professional endeavors to be unfruitful. He wanted them to be successful in their business. God wants you to be successful with the gifts He's put inside of you. But no amount of expertise and practice can get you to the level of His success that knowing His love will get you to. So Peter didn't really know him at this point. This was as, you know, at the beginning of their relationship. And so Peter said, well, we'll put him in. Because you're, you're Jesus and we'll throw them in. And the, they threw in their, uh, their nets for a catch and, and, and the, the nets became so full they couldn't get them back in the boats and they began to break. They never had caught that many fish. Never. It was so simple. It was so effortless. They just listened to the Messiah. But Peter's response to Jesus was very interesting. He said, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. What an immature response. I'd want him in my boat every day. <laughs> Come on, right? What is the point here? When you're spiritually immature, you don't realize how good God is and how much he loves you. So in other words, everybody knows that God is holy. Right? I don't have, I mean, of course God is holy. I don't need any Bible knowledge to know that God is holy. It's, it's obvious to anyone. So Peter's first response was a recognition of his holiness. He said, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. But then Jeter, Peter walked into relationship with him. Derek Jeter. No, Peter, the apostle. Was Derek Jeter one of the... Original 12? I don't think so. Anyway, Peter walked in a relationship with the uh, New York Yankees. No, I'm not on the Yankees. How did I get to the Yankees from, from the Gospels? I don't know. Anyway, Peter walked with Jesus in a relationship, and after three years of walking with him, watching Jesus, watching love in action, Jesus went through all that he went through, rose from the dead, restored Peter, and he, he shows up on the shore, and they're out in their boats, and they see Jesus. Who is the first one to leap in the water to get to him? Peter. Why? He had matured. He knew how much God loved him. See? 
Spiritual maturity is when, when you, you just want to be around him all the time. You know how much he loves you. You don't want him to depart from you. Yes, he's holy, but he loves you. He's for you. Yes, he's righteous, and he loves you. Let's go to John 14.6. So we want you to go through life knowing the real Jesus, not man's religious version of Jesus, not my version or your version of Jesus, but the real Jesus. You see, when you discover the real Jesus, the real you will come alive. If you don't know the real Jesus, the real you is dead. If you don't know the real Jesus, you're living a lie. It's when you know the real Jesus that the real you is born. So in John 14, 6, Jesus says something that's uh, infinitely profound and powerful. And he says to his disciples, he says, I am the way. Jesus in the Old Testament was prophesied and called the highway. That's where the name of our church comes from. What's a highway? I love getting on the highway. It's like the speed limit isn't an issue anymore when you're on the highway, right? No, no. But you can go faster on the highway, right? Give me that open road, baby, right? I can put it into fifth gear on the highway. I can push the pedal on the highway. I can get to places quicker than I could. Otherwise, a highway is a structure that enables you to get from where you are to where you want to be. In life, Jesus is that highway. I'm the way. I'm the way to get from where you are to where you long to be. See, His love for you will redeem you from your past. His love for you will make it seem like your past never happened. And all the pain that's associated with your past will be no more. You'll remember it, but the pain will be gone. Amen. Some of the things you won't even remember anymore. Right. You're just, that was someone else. Because <laughs> you're so new. You're so spanking new. I'm the way. I like this. I am the truth. The definition of that word, it could also be translated, I'm the reality. We're all looking for that, aren't we? Get real. Anyone, anyone ever said that to you? Just get real. Jesus is it. He's the real you want. He's the reality. I'm the reality you're looking for. I'm the reality that your heart longs for. In me, you'll discover the real you. See, as you choose to give Jesus your attention, as you choose to worship Him and behold Him, who you were made to be will be realized. And this little statement in John 14, 6, again, I think often these life-changing statements that Jesus makes are kind of put off to the side like, well, yeah, I know that. Let's get to the... Meet, let's get to the deep stuff. This is it. Jesus is the reality you're looking for. And when I choose to magnify Him, I begin to see who I was made to be. What does it mean to magnify Jesus? 
I remember as a, as a kid, we used to like to try and burn things with our magnifying glasses, like ants and firecrackers and uh, our mom's tablecloth, all kind of stuff. <laughs> but it, as kids, we had magnifying glasses. It's probably an app now. I don't know. They have apps for this probably, but this is an actual physical thing you held in your hand. It's a big piece of glass, and you'd put it on a summer day. You'd put it over an ant, and the people who are fighting for the rights of ants, don't be mad at me. <laughs> but we put this magnifying glass over this anthill. And it was amazing. Those little things that you could hardly see became really big to us. And you could see what they were wearing. Some of them had suits on and little skirts and dresses. No. But they became, these little ants became bigger to us. But when you magnify something, the size of what you're magnifying doesn't change. It's the same, but your vision of it, what you can see and understand about it changes. The same is true as Jesus. When you magnify Him in your life, His power doesn't change. His love for you doesn't change, but you can see it more clearly now. It becomes more real to you. You begin to understand it. So I have, I've, been, I've had something for two weeks that I've been wanting to share with you. But as I was preparing this week, the Lord, I believe He impressed upon my heart, said, let's magnify. Let's magnify who I am this Sunday. So that that veil can just be removed. So let's magnify this Lord, the Lord this morning so that we can see Him more clearly. So that we can see ourselves more clearly, who we were made to be. Okay? Let's go to Psalm 34. How does that mean to magnify the Lord? I can't get a magnifying glass out. That's not going to work. He's a spirit. Right? And my natural senses can't detect him unless something supernatural happens. So where, how am I going to magnify him? Actually, could you put verse three, 3 up of Psalm 34? Verse 3. This is what the psalmist said. He said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Now, what in the world does this mean? How are you going to do this? And how many times do you want to magnify him? Like two times? Three As much as you need. I don't know where you're at and what you're dealing with, but sometimes I need to magnify the Lord to a hundred times. So he's really big to me. Because what I'm going through is really challenging. Sometimes I need to magnify him 63 times. You need to magnify him until he's big enough to you to handle your issues. Just keep magnifying until your issues are way smaller than the reality of who he is. If they're not, just keep doing it. Just keep magnifying. You see, as you magnify, as you exalt his name, what does that mean, his name? Get his name and put it up on a pole 100 feet in the air? No. His name is his nature. Who he is and what he's done for you. What's his name? Jesus. Well, what does that mean? The one who heals you. That's what his name means. God heals now. That's what his name means. That's what salvation is. God delivers me now. Exalt his name. Exalt the fact 
that God is my health, my healing, my deliverer now. In the midst of whatever's going on, how do I do that? With my mouth and my heart. I just open my mouth and begin to say that. God, you are my victory in this circumstance. You're my victory in this situation. Your love for me is greater than what I'm going through. I magnify you. I lift you up above my circumstances, above the way I feel. With my mouth I do this. Now we go to verse 1. shows us how to do it. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Wow. Now we see the primary purpose for our mouth. It's not to rant and rave on social media. It's not to tell others what you think. It's not to give someone what for. It's to bless Him and praise Him. It's to magnify His nature, His salvation in your life. The more you say it with your mouth, the more real it becomes to you. Your mouth is the magnifier of your life. Whatever you choose to put in it will become bigger to you. Isn't that something? I never learned this growing up. And ended up getting a potty mouth. That's P-O-T-T-Y. Like a commode. You know what a commode is? Potty? A potty mouth. When I was in my, uh, maybe around my mid-teens, I didn't, I didn't know what love was. And I started talking like other people around me, and my life went downhill fast. Because there was filth coming out of my mouth. What comes out of your mouth changes everything. Listen, this is not to condemn anybody. This is to set you free. I need to know how I work. <laughs> we were just made aware of a show back in the 80s that's now on Amazon Prime called The Greatest American Hero. Anyone remember that TV show? I just got the biggest kick out of that when I was growing up. But it's on Prime now, so we watched the, the pilot episode. But in that episode, uh, what's his name? Ralph, I forget the guy's name. He's a school teacher. And him and, and this FBI agent are out in the desert, and this UFO appears to them and gives them this special suit that he's to put on, and it's got these superpowers, and it has an instruction book. And they, they, they say, you know, here it is. Here's, they give it to him. Here's the instruction book. Learn what this suit does. We want you to use it so you can change the world. So he's, they're just kind of like freaking out, like, is this even really happening? And they walk away from this encounter with these aliens from another planet. And as he's leaving the desert, the instruction book falls out. And he doesn't know it. So he's got the power. He's got the suit, but he doesn't know how to turn it on, how to use it. And such is the truth with so many believers. The power is not in some remote place that you have to figure out how to get to. It's in your mouth. The power to change your life is in your mouth and in your heart. Oh, that's so freeing to know that I've got what I need to win. 
All I've got to do is put the right thing in my mouth. I've got to begin to say to myself how much He loves me and how, how strong I am in Him. Boy, the devil hates that. Right in the midst of your failure, you say, I'm strong. I'm strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And Satan's throwing a fit. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're a sinner. You just did this for the 137th time and you deserve condemnation. You should be ashamed of yourself. And you're worshiping God. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He loves me so much. I'm the only me he's ever made. And he's for me all the time. He's with me everywhere I go. His very spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, is living in me, giving life to my mortal body. The joy of Jesus Christ is my joy. His joy is my strength. What am I doing? Magnify the Lord. That's all it is. It's very simple, but far too often we don't do it in the midst of a challenge. But really, it's not just in the midst of a challenge. It's all times. Right? The primary thing that we should be doing with our mouths is worshiping Him. Is that different or what? I mean, is that, that's just nowhere on the world's radar, Right? You're not encouraged to do that by the news, right? You're encouraged to curse the government, to curse these different groups and, and let them know what you think. And See, they're encouraging you to use your mouth for the opposite reason. Why? Because death and life are in the power of your tongue. See, the, the real you can be released with your mouth or trapped with your mouth. We want you to release the real you with your mouth. And anyone can do this. Isn't that great? Anyone can do this. Let's try. Everyone say cheeseburger. Cheeseburger. Uh, now, raise your hand if you don't like cheeseburgers. Wow. Everyone like Okay, one person. Did you say cheeseburger? You said the word? Look at that. You didn't even like it, but you could say the word. You can say things that you don't feel like saying. You have that power, and that's all the power you need. Tell your body how healthy it is. Tell, tell your mind how sound it is, how alert it is. Tell your heart how joyful it is. Tell your soul how strong it is. Tell it. If you don't tell it, no one else will. You have to take control of the way you feel. Man doesn't know this. I mean, I think the biggest improvement man made was cognitive therapy, which was so much better than, than the others. But the best therapy you can ever give yourself is to open your mouth and say what God says about you. I'll bless the Lord at all times because I, I, I'm free now. I know how much he loves me. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Verse 2, verse two look at the connection between your mouth and your soul. Verse 2, my soul. Your mouth and your soul are connected. Your soul will follow your mouth. A silent mouth is a, is a powerless mouth. 
your soul will take over if your mouth is closed. It'll take over. Have you ever been like that? You've been so down, you just didn't feel like talking? That's your soul trying to shut your mouth. I've been like that different times in my life. I felt like I didn't have the strength to even want to talk. It wasn't true. That's just how I felt. And the Holy Spirit would, give me, would, would quicken me, and I'd say, Jesus, you're so good. Just a soft little whisper. Jesus, you're so good. You love me. You're great. I worship you and bless your name. But you know, if I just kept that up, that whisper eventually turned into a conversational tone and into a shout. Listen, your mouth can take you from a whisper to a shout, from failure to success, from depression to joy. The answer's in your mouth. I'm not trying to find fault with anybody, but it's sad that man looks to medication to try and overcome depression. And hey, you, you, you do what you need to do, and I'm not condemning anybody, but the answer is not in a prescription medication. And if that can stabilize someone and, and get them functioning again, that's fine. But that's not the answer. That, that's, you don't want to be on that forever. If you need to take that for stability and that's something you feel you need to do, you do it. But the answer's in your mouth. And as you're taking that thing, be declaring who you are. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. My past is over. I'm clean. I'm shiny and clean and healthy and new, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. I have the spirit of power and of love. I have a sound mind. I'm not depressed. Now, again, I'm not trying to find fault with anybody at all. But in a lot of the worldly groups, one of the things they'll do is have you say over and over again that you're a such and such. And sure, you've got to acknowledge sin that's that, you know, to get free from it. But that's not who you are. I'm not a such and such. I'm a son of God. There's no such and suches in his family. Just sons and daughters. I'm a son of God. I'm not a such and such. And you're not a such and such. We're sons and daughters of God. My mouth shall make its, her boast, excuse me, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. How do you do that? With your mouth, right? Listen, your soul can't speak. Your feelings cannot be released until you open your mouth. This is so powerful. You can have all this stuff going on inside of you, but it's your mouth that gives it a license to operate. And it's your mouth that can shut it down right away. That's why this, the, Satan tries to shut your mouth or put negative things, get you to say negative things about yourself. Hallelujah. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Why would, uh, what's the other translation I'm thinking of? My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. I can't remember the translation, but it says, the humble shall hear. Why would a humble person be glad about the boasting of my soul? This is the only kind of boasting that is good. What am I boasting in? Verse 1. The goodness of God, right? And it's for everybody. I'm not boasting because uh, of my own achievements. 
I'm boasting because of how much he loves you, and you can boast just like I boast because he loves you the same. So everyone's in on this. No one's disqualified from this boasting. It's a boasting that everyone could do and should do. It's for all of us. It's the kind of boasting that sets you free that when others hear it, they get free. Hallelujah. They hear and they're glad because they realize, wait a minute, God did what for you? He's the healer. He loves you. He's forgiven you. Will he forgive me? Yeah. Oh, he already, actually, he's already done it. You don't even have to ask. He already did it before you messed up. Just receive it. Just put your faith in what he's done for you. Magnify the Lord with me. Let's do this together. All week long. I guess this is our new homework assignment, right? We're not only thinking on how much he loves us, we're talking about it to ourselves. No one needs, you to, needs to hear you say this more than you do. Really. You need to hear yourself say how much he loves you. Love is not a silent thing. Love speaks. <laughs> Magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. Let's lift up his nature so that we can all experience it. What would happen if 50 people began to say the same thing about God, about his love? If 50 people choose to focus their mouth on the reality of his nature and how much he loves us? Change the world. Absolutely change the world. 11 did it. And look at the effect it had. We're here because 11 people decided to focus on him. And talk about it. (laughs) Now look at this, verse 4. Oh, I love this. This, Psalm 34 is just so rich. He says, I sought the Lord, and eventually he heard me. After I got my act together and fixed all my mistakes, he finally listened. I sought the Lord, he answered me. That fast. Yeah, that's good. I put my attention on him. I chose to make him the priority of my heart, and I experienced him. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Ah, man, is that the life? Come on, all fear gone. I can't tell you how many decisions I see parents make based on fear. Okay. From the diets of their kids to the, the, the apparatus they have in their homes and the, the decisions they make, where they go, all the equipment they need to bring with them and the, uh, just, you know, and, and their decisions based on fear. You know, when I was growing up, there wasn't half the apparatus they have now for children. And we had a blast. We were sticking our fingers in sockets and having a great time. It did me good. (laughs) Drinking gasoline and, you know. (laughs) You know what you should tell your children? 
You're full of the Holy Spirit. God has already commanded his angels to guard and protect you. To keep you safe. They protect your bones. That's later in Psalm 34. He protects all your bones. Not one of them will be broken. What would happen if parents talked to their kids like this? You'd see different kind of kids. I see young people that are afraid. They're afraid of what's out there in the world. They're afraid to eat certain things. They're afraid if they don't do this, this will happen. And the world has made fear an industry. And they sell a lot of products based on fear. I sought the Lord. He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. It was wonderful being a parent raising children without fear. I mean, we just did whatever we wanted to do. We put them in a car seat, hop in a van, four vans full of, of young people and drive to, to, to Pontiac Silverdome and take them to a youth conference in a big stadium. And Mariah was in a car seat at the time. Didn't have any headphones on her or helmet or anything like that, but she was surrounded with the presence of God. Amen. And her life was transformed and changed. Amen. I'm not trying to... I'm trying to get, you know, you have to be tough with fear. And, and society is trying to produce weak people who are afraid of bullies. I, I can't even believe that bullying is a subject. You know why bullying is a subject now? Because you're afraid. Because society has made you afraid of someone who's going to come to you and insult you and tell you what they're going to do to you. You stand up and tell them who your God is. They're not going to do that to you. Someone threatens you. You don't let anybody threaten you. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You're going to do what to me? Are you kidding? Try Give it your best shot. You got some angels to come through before you can even get to me. The world is raising weak people who are afraid who give place to fear. And this might be hard to hear, but I don't apologize for it. Because you need it. It's time to stop being afraid. The real you is not afraid. The you you were created to be has no fear. No one can bully the real you. Bullying will no longer be an issue when you realize who you are. Not because the bullies go away, because they're going to be afraid of you. When you meet someone who knows who they are, you can't do anything about it. Fear can't move you when you know who your God is. Hallelujah. I sought the Lord. See, you can't seek the Lord and listen to bullies at the same time. You can't seek the Lord and let society's standards be, uh, fill your thought life at the same time. I'm amazed at the issues people are, are spending money on. I was like, are you kidding me? We're trying to keep straws out of turtles' noses? What? That's got to be a joke. One random photo is put on social media and the country goes berserk. I'm, I'm not trying to offend anyone. Listen, you, we got to get out of this crazy thinking. 
Listen, that straw was probably having a milkshake. That turtle was probably having a milkshake or something. He's like, leave me alone and give me my shake back. What is that? Now, let's be real. What's going on here? Satan's trying to get you to employ your energies and your strength and stuff that doesn't matter. Turtles are not in danger of straws. I'm just telling you. I'm just saying. They are not worried in the least about it. And you having a milkshake is not going to endanger a turtle. Oh boy, I'm on, I'm on sacred ground now, huh? Every whole room place got quiet. Is he encouraging drinking with a straw? Yeah! Come on, go get a straw and have a shake, will you? The world will make it. Oh boy. Isn't that something? This is where fear takes you. Where you're getting metal straws now. But you can't even bend, you can't even bend the straw. Yeah, really? Now you're going to die because the straw you just drank with, you swallowed it and it's metal. But the turtle's fine. Straws, they'll kill you. That's what fears does. Everything will kill you. Straws will kill you, right? Certain, certain uh, you know, the weather will kill you. Um, hate speech will kill you, right? I've got to, everyone's got to address me by a certain, in a certain way with certain words or, or, my, or, or my life's going to be a mess. It matters not what anyone says about you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what people are using to drink their shakes with. You're a son and daughter of God. We let the enemy take our attention off of the one who made us and put them onto these insignificant things and spend millions of dollars on things. People are going to be so surprised when, the, when this is all said and done that all of these efforts to try and save the earth didn't work. Made zero difference to the planet. This is real science. They have no idea how strong the earth is and how huge it is. And that if there is any deterioration going on, it's because of the curse of sin. This earth will fall apart. Not because of uh, automobiles and factories, but because there's a new heaven and a new earth coming. See, when you deny God's reality, you have to come up with your own moral causes. You have to create moral causes because you don't have real ones. So now the earth becomes your moral cause instead of the kingdom of God. We're not trying to save the earth. The earth is not, can't be saved. Woo, I had no idea I was going to be talking about all this today. Whew. Listen, we're good stewards of the earth. We're not reckless. We don't just throw trash around. And, and when we do something, we want to do it with responsibility and stewardship and take care of what God has given us and be responsible. But the earth is not our mother. We, we take God at His word and we realize this thing's under the curse of sin and there's coming a day very soon when it's going to be gone. And there's no recycling you can do to change that. Do I recycle? Yeah. They gave me a blue can, told me how to use it, so I use it. I'm not worried about it, and I'm not reckless. I'll do, I'll do what the, the law tells me to do, to a point, I guess. 
Some things I just won't do. I don't care what they say. Boy, you got to be a fighter. You got to be strong. The world's trying to put you into a, a, a scaredy pants suit. And we're not, go, we're not going there. We've got nothing to be afraid of. The end of the world is a wonderful thing. This is a lousy place to live. I don't know. Did you see the weather today? Or was I the only one who noticed? Do you want to stay here for how long? Dandelions every spring. Messing up my yard. Help me, somebody. Weeds and thorns. That was never part of God's plan. See, when you don't embrace the cause of God, the kingdom of God, you start becoming fond of the curse. You become fond of things that were never meant to be. We're not fond of this world. That's not our home. There's no place like home. Come on, Dorothy. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Get on down. He's on down the road. <laughs> so this is what we're going to do. We're going to exalt the Lord. I tell you, it's fun just doing what I do. <laughs> Part of it is saying things people don't want to hear. So I, I'm, I don't, it's a fun place to be in. It really is. How are we doing? Good. <laughs> Listen, one more, one more verse. Verse 6, so verse 4, verse, excuse me, verse 5. Verse 4 says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. So if there are any fears left in your life, simply because your attention's not on him. Your attention's on maybe your circumstances. Your attention's on your mistakes. Your attention's on what others might say about you. But when your attention on him, that's all what's seeking. Seeking him is, is purposely putting your attention on him. Focusing your energy, your thought life, your speech, uh, your intellect, your emotions on who he is. That's what seeking the Lord is. Verse 5, now look at this. Those who look to him are radiant. Wow. There are many benefits to using your mouth to praise Him. Those who look to Him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Wow. The Amplified says uh, their faces will never be confused. If you'll worship him and magnify him, you'll never be confused again. The Passion Translation in the same verse, and then we're done, says, gaze upon him. Join your life with his. This is what life is about. And joy will come. Your faces will glisten with glory. You'll never wear that shame face again. Amen. Yeah, go ahead and clap. Come on, let's magnify him. Thank you, Lord. Our shame is gone. 
Our shame is gone. You've removed shame from our lives forever. Your love has removed our shame. Thank you, Lord. We're just we're magnifying him right now. Let's do it. Your love has removed our shame. Your love has removed our shame. Your love has removed our fears. Thank you, Lord. Your love has brought real joy into our lives. And we use our mouths to bless you. That the reality of what you've done would become real to us. We magnify what you've done. Your love has removed shame for us, from us. We will never be ashamed again. We'll never be condemned again. You have made us your righteousness. We're clean this morning. We're righteous this morning. We're completely forgiven this morning because of the blood of your Son. No one can make us afraid again. Every bully's been defeated because of you. From Goliath on. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.